I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is News Beat. Anyway, it's your man, Manny. <laughs> joined, with, uh, joined by, as always, the uh, managing editor of both News Beat, the podcast, and this week is Social Justice. His name is Rashid Mian, and he says hello. What up? And, of course, the editor-in-chief, the chieftain, the chief. I wanted to say Grand Poobah. Like, remember Grand Poobah from uh, Flintstones? Uh, the rapper, Grand Poobah. But, like, the Flintstones, had, he was, like, the guy who was in charge of the lodge. He was the Grand Poobah. And so I always want to call people the Grand Poobah when they're, like, the head of stuff. But now I secretly think that whatever the Grand Poobah was, he was probably racist. <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if you should got a yeah, camp. Don't, don't, don't call me the Grand Poobah. I don't know we're enough. Can- we're, can- we're canceling the Poobah? I don't know. I don't know enough. So I don't want to call you the Grand Poobah, but you are the uh, the head of uh, our our editorial world, the editor-in-chief of Newsbeat, and this week in Social Justice, uh, Chris Taworski. How are you, sir? Very good, Manny. Uh, Thank good. you. I want to say hello to the Newsbeat Nation. Yes. Started, wow. Started we right off. Welcome. Welcoming the Newsbeat Nation. I'll take it. This is the Newsbeat uh-huh. Nation, and this is This Week in Social Justice, a offshoot, like a spinoff, like the Jeffersons to your uh, all in the family, uh, the spinoff uh, of Newsbeat, the podcast that mixes social justice journalism, uh, high level social justice journalism, activists and uh, experts and academics and journalists uh, breaking down the uh, most interesting and sometimes underreported social justice issues of our time. The award winning uh, New York Press Club Journalism Podcast of the Year. Society of Professional Journalists, Press Club of Long Island, Journalism Podcast of the Year, multiple times, Newsbeat. So we are a podcast. If you're watching our beautiful faces, uh, you can hear uh, our beautiful productions wherever you get podcasts. It's Newsbeat, two words, one love, Newsbeat, uh, wherever you find your podcast. But we decided that we didn't have enough to do on a Wednesday night. Or any day of the week, for that matter. Our lives <laughs> Uh, complicated enough that we decided that this week in social justice would be a great way to communicate with the Newsbeat Nation uh, on a regular basis <laughs> to talk about all of the things that are happening in the world of social justice. Uh, we just did a pregame on Instagram, so uh, do note that we'll try to pregame this show on Instagram live around 7.30 or so every Wednesday on Manny Faces Official, that's me, and on U.S. Newsbeat, which is Newsbeat. So meet us there. Enough said. What does it mean when we say we're talking about social justice this week and social justice? We will tell you we have some things to talk about. We have an amazing guest from an amazing organization. Uh, tell them who we got, Jim. <laughs> so uh, coming up around 835, we got Ursula Wolf Raka. She's uh, an educator, but also an editor over at Rethinking Schools, which I urge everybody to follow. They do a great work around uh, around education, social justice, um, very aligned with the uh, Newsbeat. So if you do, if you like what we're doing, I think you'll dig them too. So definitely stay around for around, for eight thirty to check out that interview. And we will be talking about this hot button issue, this idea of critical race theory uh, in being taught in schools. Uh, this uh, right wing movement to suppress this horrible thing that's going to indoctrinate our children to take up arms against white people. I don't. That's not what they say, but it's the kind of the the, the truth. The, yeah, it's kind of what they're saying. So we'll, we'll talk about that and really break that down because I think we hear about it and there's some smart people talking about it, but there's also some um, hyperbolic people t- talking about it. We'll try to break it down to you 
as only your homies from Newsbeat can. Uh, so again, if you're listening on the podcast feed, thank you. Join us every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. You can find out more about us at usnewsbeat.com and find out more about the show and see our past episodes at usnewsbeat.com slash TWISJ for this week in social justice. Uh, moving along, without further Shade ado, uh, let's talk about our quickies before we get into our big topic and then our guest. So these are our news beat bites. And what you didn't see, people listening, is a real cute, flashy thing that makes us look like we're on CNN. So I saw it. I think it, I think it came through. No, I know, but people who are listening on the feed. Oh, listening. For, oh, see, for I members listening. of the nation, for members of the nation that are just listening on the podcast right now. There we go. Right, go ahead, break it down. All right. So here's my bite. So I'm going to be uh, talking about something that didn't happen. So uh, over the course of the last couple of months, there's been um, criminal justice reformers in New York State who have been pushing for something called a Clean Slate Act. Now, this is something that's been passed with bipartisan support in other states across the country. And essentially, it would exp- expunge criminal records over a certain set of time. It would automatically happen in New York for, for a minute for uh, misdemeanors and then for certain felonies. And it seemed like a shoo-in because as I just said, um, it has bipartisan support. I mean, you have Republicans in other states supporting this and backing it because a critical thing uh, when it comes to criminal justice and mass incarceration is releasing people back into society and giving them the tools to become successful in life. And when you have a criminal record, that's extremely hard. It, it, It prevents you from, in many cases, from getting employment, from housing, um, and for even going to, to college or getting an education. So it, it's huge. And uh, studies have shown that it helps uh, um, reduce re- recidivism in many yeah. cases. So this didn't happen in, um, in, the, in New York uh, this year. So it's something that likely will be taken up against again in the following year. It just goes to show something that we've talked about on Newsbeat and This Week in Social Justice. It's that reform takes a lot of time, sweat and tears. And this one fell short um, in 2021. Uh, what can, as we always talk about, what can uh, people who live in New York or live in the districts or live in the state can do to, uh, you know, express sure. their support? Uh, so I think you should follow it. I think I have it right in my head. I think it's Clean Slate and Why. If you follow their Twitter feed, especially, that's what I do, uh, you'll get a ton of information on what's happening. There's so many groups that are sort of aligned um, and collaborate. Um, with Clean Slate and why. There you go. You pulled it up on the screen for the people yep. who are watching. So it's something that's obviously going to continue and definitely, you know, stay stay informed and I guess get ready for the next uh, set of actions that will be happening soon. All right. Very cool. We're in New York, obviously. Uh, well, you are. Uh, so uh, that's important. Um, but uh, did I, I didn't put up the I didn't put up the image. Sorry the Associated Press said Tuesday that whoa, it will no whoa, longer whoa, be accessible. I want that. Oh from God. Auto, auto play. Okay. Um, this is what we want. So, all right, cool. So, felt through. Yeah. Look, that these things are probably happening in your local jurisdiction. There's probably little legislations that are happening on a local level that you need to pay attention to. All politics is local, especially social justice politics. Thank you. My news beat bite. Uh, the AP, the Associated Press, will no longer name suspects in minor crime stories. We worked in local news for a long time. Uh, and one of the big things that we learned uh, when we covered that is that, you know, uh, someone gets arrested, accused of a crime. Their name gets printed in the paper. They go to trial or they may not even uh, charges might be dismissed. 
whatever the case may be. They go about their life and then they try to get a job. And if they Google themselves, they will find that they were arrested for this, you know, potentially horrible thing, even though no charges were ever, uh, you know, filed or they were acquitted or whatever the case may be. Um, now, AP is not saying, hey, if you get arrested for murder, we're not going to say your name. But for uh, minor crimes, low level crimes, uh, the AP is now going to not publish the names of the offenders. I think this is a big breakthrough because of, uh, you know, as we did when we covered local news, it was funny. Uh, there was some talk about the fact that we only got mugshots from the police department. If uh, maybe not only, but we got more mugshots available when there was uh, of a certain demographic as opposed to another demographic. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it seemed to be the case. Um, uh, you know, right. the idea that, that newspaper records or, or online records, they, uh, the record, not a record, you know, record of your arrest or whatever being printed stays on the record for a long time. We used to have people calling us saying, Hey, I'm trying to get this job. I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. You know, my charges were dropped. Can you, Remove my name from the newspaper. Right. I, this is all part of that, and it's a good thing. Right. Yeah, no, we used to get calls all the time. Yeah. And people couldn't get jobs, or maybe family members found out about this. You know, distant family members would find out, or friends, right. or, and um, even when we would take it down, sometimes uh, it would take a long time to, yeah. to disappear. Yeah. That's my so, news bite. I thought it was really interesting. It just, just happened great. the uh, last day or so. Chris, what do you got for us? Yeah, so so June uh, being uh, LGBTQ Pride Month and us trying to uh, typically shine a light on on related issues to that community, uh, I thought that this was incredible. Today, this broke, actually, and the education department says anti-trans discrimination is prohibited by Title IX, and that is incredibly significant because it is a complete reversal from the previous administration, right. uh, which um, did not protect uh, the trans community from right. discrimination in, in uh, educational institutions that received federal funds. So this is huge. And, this and is particular because... Yeah, it's just, it, it underscores uh, the importance of protecting and, uh, you know, extending the rights that everyone else has uh, to this particular community because as we've, as we've reported uh, prior, you know, the, the transgender community um, is subject to uh, exponentially uh, more uh, violent crime rate against them um, than any other, than, than other demographics. And a report just came out uh, recently by Human Rights Watch that uh, this year is on pace to be the deadliest yet for trans and gender nonconforming Americans. Last year, uh, there were 44 transgender folks murdered. Uh, this year, so far, it's up to 28. Mm. So it's just incredibly, incredibly important, um, again, to, to extend protections and to talk about this stuff and to continue to shine a light. And we actually had done an episode um, shining a light on the violence faced by African-American women and girls. And in that, in the reporting for that episode, which we're going to play a quick snippet from, we learned that uh, a huge component, uh, perhaps the majority of those who are murdered, uh, specifically just just for being themselves, happen to, are 
are targeted uh, because they are black or they are Latinx. And uh, mostly it is transgender women, uh, black transgender women who are the victims. Yeah, this is one of our uh, most uh, uh, compelling episodes that we did in some time uh, that came out during the pandemic. Uh, You won't hear our signature artist on this episode, but it was no less important. Uh, It was called Say Her Name, hashtag Say Her Name, uh, confronting 400 years of state violence against black women. And uh, for those of you listening on the podcast feed, maybe just came across us, you haven't dug back through the archives yet. This is an example of a full episode of Newsbeat. This is what we do. And here's a snippet about this uh, very important issue. Certainly state-sponsored violence against black women has existed from the moment the first black woman was dragged to these shores. Considered as a foremother of the African-American community, historians believe Angelo boarded a ship in Angola before heading to Vera Cruz and finishing her voyage in Jamestown on the James River. She appears in the colony's census documents in 1624 and 1625. She worked for a wealthy family and lived alongside white servants. The women weren't just stuffed into the boats, but of course they were also used as tools of pleasure for the sailors who were on the boats. So not only were they shackled to other human beings in these insufferable conditions, but they were also brought on board to be raped and to be used as sexual tools for the sailors. So there's never been a time in the entire United States history where Black women have not been violently assaulted both by the state as well as individuals. From that moment forward, Black women have, and and in the moments leading up to that, through kidnapping from the African continent through the Middle Passage, Black women have experienced all of the same forms of state-sponsored violence, state-sanctioned violence, and state violence as Black men and Black people of all genders, and additionally have been subject. Just a snippet, didn't want to, you know... It's a heartbreaking look at a uh, long history uh, of state-sponsored violence. But, of course, the issues you bring up, Chris, are not just state-sponsored, but just in general. And, uh, and it reflects a long-standing uh, attitude that society has had uh, towards uh, transgender folk. And we hope that this is just the first step in uh, righting some of those wrongs. Yep. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. All right. So that's it. Those are our news beat news bites. I'm going to play the fancy thing again as soon as I can find it. So there we go. Love it. All right. So again, a guest will soon be upon us. We're going to have a great guest, a great conversation regarding critical race theory. This whole thing you might have been hearing about, uh, and like, unless, unless you're ingrained in social justice talk. Uh, and then, you know, if you're a super news hound, you might be hearing snippets of this. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Ursula Wolf Rocker, educator and editor at Rethinking Schools, will join us shortly. First, let's go. Let's talk about press yeah. freedom. All right. We have a sort of a, a rundown of, of more news for everybody uh, tonight. And we're going to start with press freedoms because it is the 50th. Well, this weekend was the 50th anniversary of the release of the Pentagon Papers. It's yep. when the New York Times got a massive uh, ca- cash, 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 uh, cash documents. Cash. Cash. <laughs> they, they sequestered themselves in a hotel room. I think they bought out like the whole entire floor. And they reported on this huge, massive history of the Vietnam War that was secret and the government did not want 
the, the American people to know about. It covered three administrations and mm. obviously famed whistleblower Daniel Ellsberg was the person responsible for leaking those documents. Uh, and Chris, you want to just tell people more about the Pentagon Papers? And yeah, I mean, significance? just in- incredibly important. It exposed that the war, uh, despite what uh, several administrations were telling the public um, about it, uh, them not wanting to expand hostilities and war, it in fact was expanding uh, right. into other countries, Cambodia, Laos. Um, and that four, three or four administrations lied to the public and they lied to Congress about it. You know, and, and when you talk about the Vietnam War, I mean, obviously there's, I think it's 1.4 or more millions millions dead, yeah. uh, hundreds of thousands of civilians slaughtered. Yeah. And um, so like this distrust of the government when it comes to telling us the truth about war didn't start with weapons of mass, you know, this this disinformation. Yes. Yeah. And in larger context, you know, it, uh, you know, Daniel Ellsberg, uh, the first whistleblower uh, to be charged uh, under the Espionage Act, which we've covered uh, on several episodes as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, which, it, it, you know, the whole thing led went all the way up to the Supreme Supreme Court, basically, uh, the government tried to, uh, and successfully, I think, blocked, I think, uh, three potential publications of, of, uh, of the papers uh, and the truth to the public. And um, we interviewed James Goodall uh, in, a, in, a, in another episode, who was the, uh, the attorney uh, representing the New York Times, and they eventually won. And, it, and you know, so it was, a big, it, was, it was a big win for press freedom. Yeah. I love that uh, Chris brought up the New York Times and a big win for press freedoms because we obviously got a lot of news going on right now. There's been a lot of updates, um, but because this is the 50th anniversary of the New York Times reporting on this case, that they, you know, they did a big blowout, you know, commemorating the occasion. Uh, they also opened up their um, opinion section to, I guess, anybody who wanted to give a thought, and anybody, they published. Come on in and yeah, leave it up, yeah, man. Just, on the table. Just tell us what you think, and yeah. it was amazing to me. So I just want to set the sort of the stage here. Uh, we're, we're celebrating the, the most significant leak, potentially one of in American history. Right. On the same day that New York Times executives and executives from other media organizations are meeting with the attorney general and the Department of Justice to, to, to talk about attacks on press freedoms, so, uh, specifically the subpoenas that have been uh, reported on involving the New York Times, the Washington Post, and I think CNN, I think eight journalists altogether who were subpoenaed by the, the Trump administration. Right. Same day they were doing that, they published this piece called Leaking the Pentagon Papers was an assault on democracy. It's amazing to me, and I, Chris and I, Chris and I have been covering sort of press freedoms for, and civil liberties for a few years now. And you know, at, we're very passionate about this, obviously, because you need a free and independent news media to hold the government accountable. Sure. And you have somebody here basically saying that's anti-democratic, that covering leaks and and the people doing performing those leaks are, are 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 doing an assault on democracy. The person even goes as far. I think one of my biggest gripes that I have here is yeah. the person says, namely, quote, namely, the study showed as he saw it. Speaking of Ellsberg, that the American government had been lying for years. It wasn't as as he saw it. They were <laughs> the papers. Right. They, right. they were literally right. lying to the right. American public, as right. Chris right. just yeah. talked Mac- about. McNamara, the, the, the McNamara, the Defense Secretary, actually, you know, uh, you know, initiated this. It was over seven thousand pages. I think it was right. like forty-seven exactly. something vo- volumes or something like that of all these different things. And and this is an assault informing the public 
about what your government is doing in secret that's resulting in the death of untold numbers of people. Um, that's an assault on yeah. democracy. I mean, you know. That should be the patriotic thing. So again, so the, the argument is going to be is whistleblowing patriotic or is it, you know, stealing and selling state secrets or selling state secrets, but, you know, disseminating state secrets. And the, the idea is that some of these whistleblowers, Chelsea Manning, Daniel Ellsberg, uh, the, uh, reality, whatever we're going to talk about, um, are, are doing so in the interest of democracy, in the interest of transparency and what the public needs to know about. And the government very often is saying, you need to know about what we say you need to know about, right? But let me ask you this, just real quick. I know we don't have a lot of time to cover on it, but looking back at uh, the Pentagon Papers, Ellsberg was hit with espionage charge. He was pariah, the you know, the bad guy. When people look back on it, do we look back on it as a generally overall as, yeah, that was kind of important. That was not the unpatriotic thing to do. What's the general consensus now? Besides well, not, I not, well, not standing. Yeah, go on, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, um, I would say that that informing the public about anything that's in their best interest to know, um, and in this case, who knows? You know, if it if it was if it was leaked earlier, could it have saved? How many lives could it have saved? I mean, you, you know, uh, not just soldiers, civilians, too. Um, yeah. I mean, so obviously, I would say that that. Uh, yeah, you know, it was declassified, I think, at some point. Too. Yeah, it was later declassified. Yeah. The one thing I will say is, uh, well, two things. So quickly um, to your question, Manny, yeah. at, at that point in, in Vietnam, the American public was already sort of vehemently opposed to the war. So yeah. I think it obviously just, you know, it helps solidify what a lot of people are thinking. Secondly, in terms of journalism and and sources, there's you you talk to whistleblowers now. So many of them were inspired by Daniel Ellsberg. So we don't even point. know what would happen to um, modern day if we did not have a Daniel Ellsberg who basically stood up for for the sure. entire public and, and and did what he did. Great point. And a, a lot of the whistleblowing isn't uh, the big like the, the Chelsea Manners, the Mannings, the you know, reality winners, they're not the big super state secrets. They might be smaller things here that are leaked to a watchdog group that have actually helped, you know, uh, bring about some important change that doesn't get sort of the uh, negative yeah. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and, and one thing I'll say is just the government leaks things all the time. <laughs> Administrations sure. do it all the time. And right. those are just, those are allowed. I mean, famously, Zero Dark Thirty was all based off of classified information that the CIA gave to producers. Yeah. So that's the last, yeah, that's the last thing I want to say. Great, about points, <laughs> great points. Great points. Great points. I also want to know that they keep leaking the fact that I owe the Department of Education, which is really leaking <laughs> to these agents <laughs> call me and and demand me to make payments. And I think it's, it's I yeah, think they, yeah, it's really not fair. So tell me about Reality Winner and why this uh, interestingly just came up uh, in the news as well. Yeah. So this happened just uh, as the anniversary of the Pentagon Papers. Reality Winner was released to home confinement. She had been sentenced to sixty months to prison a few years ago reality winner famously it was the first uh whistleblower an nsa contractor who was charged and prosecuted and pled guilty under the espionage act uh during the trump administration he would go on to uh, his administration would go on to charge seven others reality was the first the the reason why reality and, and they're all obviously important reality reality is important because there was so much hysteria at the time around 
what Russia did. Russia was the big boogeyman. And a lot of people on, on mainstream media, cable news, were just pontificating about what happened. Um, when reality winner actually gave us some sort of evidence that Russia was trying to actually um, hack into local election systems. And with all that going on, she was still prosecuted uh, with the full force uh, uh, of the U.S. government. She uh, was hit with the longest sentence ever for a whistleblower. And she was released to, to home confinement. She still has a long way to go. But I just want people to keep her name in mind whenever they think of whistleblowers and the significance, um, the significant role they play in journalism. Yeah. Uh, as we always try to do, the thing you can do. Right. So if uh, one of these stories uh, touches your soul and you want to do something about it. Uh, in this case, there's a, uh, a petition. Yes. Yeah, there's a. Uh, so, yeah, reality winner's mom, who's been a fierce advocate, obviously, for her for this whole time, um, has a petition for clemency because her argument is, you know, my my daughter is now going to be wearing an ankle monitor, which we've covered and, right. and what that does to a person. Um, and so she's not clear, even though. She's under uh, home confinement. There's, she has strict obligations, strict rules to follow, um, and you, they don't want her to end up back in prison. So they have this clemency petition uh, that's going out to President Biden um, to have him give her clemency. If you are interested in the ongoing attack on uh, whistleblowing, we have a couple of episodes that deal with this. I won't show them on the screen, but just real quick, let people know real quick a couple of the episodes that we've tackled this. Oh, yeah. So we did an episode on Chelsea Manning, obviously, um, after Ellsberg and, and, and well, I don't want to rank them, but with Ellsberg, Snowden and, and Chelsea Manning, um, significant sort of like on that Mount Rushmore of whistleblowers. And then we also did an episode called The Truth Hurts, which sort of just looks at the um, the current state of the media in this country. Yeah. All right. Very good. Those are great topics to follow up and find out more information if you're looking about uh, looking into the idea of whistleblowing, what it means, what it's meant. And, uh, you know, past, present and future. Uh, so thank you guys for bringing that up. Chris, we're going to pivot to you before we get to our esteemed guest uh, who's waiting in the wings. Uh, we have a follow up of sorts to some of the work that we covered a few episodes. Can you tee this up? Let yeah. And, and we're definitely going to be staying on top of this as well. This is uh, historically horrifically underreported and there's going to be a lot more on this. Um, and just in a quick nutshell, um, you know, for over a hundred years, uh, Canada had instituted this system of what's known as residential schools. And for listeners who may not know what that is, basically, uh, they considered indigenous folks pretty much subhumans. And so, part of the way to eradicate them, their their culture, um, their existence, was forcibly taking the, their children. And putting them in these quote unquote schools uh, that were run by the Catholic Church and the government, and there were about a hundred of them and for over a hundred years these these kids were put in there they were they were just horrific conditions uh, they were subjected to uh, infinite uh, amounts of uh, brutality and uh, abuse, sexual abuse, psychological abuse and um, in two thousand and eight, Canada apologized and uh, it's a long story, but basically it was survivors of these schools that filed a class action to hold the government accountable. And part of that settlement, part of that uh, result of that was the establishment of what's called the Truth and Reconciliation Committee, uh, which looked into some of these things. 
Why we're bringing it up now is that just recently uh, an unmarked mass grave uh, was discovered at one of these schools with the remains of uh, about 215 children. And um, it's purported there are several thousand children that went to these schools and were never heard from again. The families were never notified and they were just erased. And so, uh, you know, a, a couple of different provinces, uh, you know, because now obviously there's outrage and, and more global outrage about this. They're, they're putting, uh, you know, several million dollars behind now doing more radar testing at, at more of these sites. Um, and, you know, we'll share all these links. But uh, one particular link I want to share was uh, part of that Truth and Reconciliation Commission was to create a report uh, that interviewed thousands of survivors. Um, and here it is. The survivors speak. And, and I, you know, I read a, a decent portion of this before the show. And it's just, you know, words. I don't think there are words really for this. Right. Um, but the whole point is to inform the public about this. Um, so this doesn't happen again. And that the healing can, if there is such a thing that can ever be healed, can, can begin. Um, and um, check out these links. Um, and we also, uh, our parent company, Mori Creative Services, we actually have a client called Reconciliation Education. And I've, I've worked on several of their, uh, several of their projects. And they're actually trying to uh, right these wrongs uh, through education, uh, through corporate entities or educational entities. So I just wanted to bring that to all your attention as well. But um, residential schools, we'll be, we'll be covering a lot more about it. Yeah, that's um, horrific stories. Also, piggybacks, uh, sort of veggie backs. I heard someone say the other day, this is funny. Uh, piggybacks off of some of the stories we were telling earlier about the uh, the move bombing in Philadelphia where uh, uh, remains bones of children killed in that government bombing of U.S. citizens were just being tossed around willy-nilly in the university yeah. system yeah. and lost and, and thrown right. here and put in a box and no one knows where, you know. So it just shows sort of this ongoing pattern of, uh, of how, uh, you know, uh, certain demographics, certain communities have yep. been treated um, by the government. Uh, yep. And final point on that, in that episode, which you can all find on our YouTube uh, account there, is just a, a couple, uh, maybe a month ago, yeah. um, uh, we learned that uh, the U.S. museum system has more than half a million remains of indigenous folks used yeah. as, as like props and, and just yeah. exhibits and things yeah. like, like human remains, like well, these people, um, and tens of thousands of skulls and other other remains of African Americans and yeah. uh, enslaved, the enslaved. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't hear about that on CNN. I hear about it on this week in social justice uh, with the Newsbeat crew. Just saying, not something we want to report about, but yeah. something we feel we have to. So, thank you for bringing that. I've learned it all uh, from doing this work. I had no idea any of this uh, stuff existed. So, that all being said. Stay tuned uh, for the show after uh, our guest. We're going to be talking about uh, activists that are taking it to uh, Joe Manchin uh, in the in his home state of West Virginia. Uh, one of the things we love to talk about is how uh, not only is all social justice politics local, uh, but during the off season, during the non-political cycles, not an election year, not a presidential election. There's a lot of work to be done on the ground. And we've talked yeah. about it, about, you know, 
uh, voting rights uh, happening throughout the, the, the country in, in states like Georgia, things that you need to know about and get involved with. Uh, Joe Manchin's stance on a bunch of things is very interesting. Uh, and there are people uh, from a very good organization that we have been closely aligned with in a couple of ways. The Poor People's Campaign uh, are doing something about it. So we're going to talk about that after our guest. And then we're going to talk about UFO. Don't even say it. Oh, I'm just saying no, I did say it. I have because the last time we said we were going to cover UFOs, suddenly we lost our signal. Newsbeat Nation knows what happened. Uh, I believe people out there really know about what happened there. It was a weird. It was a weird episode. It was a weird episode. So we'll be back at the end of the show. Stick around for that. It is actually relevant to social justice in a crazy way. All right. With that, uh, allow us to bring up to the stage. Our esteemed guest for the evening, uh, someone's going to uh, introduce, I think it's, I don't know, one of y'all. One of y'all start talking and I'll do the rest. All right. I think I'll do it. So we are <laughs> honored to be to be joined by Ursula Wolfraka, an educator and editor at Rethinking Schools, a great organization uh, that everybody should follow. Ursula, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Hi, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we really appreciate it, especially with uh, a lot going on in education in the United States. Um, and we wanted to talk about uh, sort of this uproar over critical race theory and the sort of weaponizing and, and, the, uh, and the right wing sort of combat, trying to combat it. So Ursula, can you give us just an understanding about, you know, what this sort of manufactured crisis is and why this outrage machine is churning mm-hmm. like it is right now? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Um, you know, the laws themselves, uh, kind of use different terminology. Some of them refer to critical race theory. Some of them have this term divisive concepts. Some of them specifically mention um, the New York Times' 1619 project. But, you know, they all amount to the same thing, which is an attempt to stop educators from teaching the truth about the past and the present. And why they're interested in doing that is a, you know, profoundly interesting question. Yeah. Now, now Ursula, as an educator yourself, if you could take us into the classroom and, and just maybe try to paint that portrait of, of how you navigate something like this. Well, you know, the idea of trying to teach U.S. history without teaching the concept of structural or systemic racism which is the language that's included in many of these laws. Um, They ban and prohibit teachers from teaching that the United States is a systemically racist nation. The idea of trying to teach U.S. history absent of that concept is to lie to students. I mean, this is not some sort of PR-driven phrase when we talk about these laws forcing us to lie to students. This is simply facts, right? We are being told that we can't teach that the United States Constitution, by encoding protections for enslavers, created a a systemically racist system. And to not be able to teach that is to lie to children. Yeah, and Ursa, I'm just wondering... um... Obviously, you know, there already is a sort of, in textbooks, um, a sort of whitewashing, if you will, of of American history. You've seen that in some Pearson textbooks. I came across a story from Texas a few years ago where uh, uh, one 
teacher had a uh, had an exercise where you had to lay out the positives and negatives of uh, slavery, which is uh, <laughs> insane to me um, in these times. Um, so, I mean, with when you're looking at these textbooks, do you do you, you solely rely on those, and then you sort of uh, use your own understanding of history, or are there other resources out there? that help you and other educators inform these young students? Right. Um, Well, first of all, our motto at the Zen Education Project, which is a project of rethinking schools, is to teach outside the textbook. So what is, um, you know, sometimes the right creates strange bedfellows. Today I was just Mm -hmm. reading, um, you know, a proposed statute in Florida that, is calling for the banning of a textbook, um, which is normally, right, the, the, <laughs> the target of my critique. But even the textbooks are too radical for these right-wing legislatures, which really tells you something. Um, but yeah, I mean, our goal is to get teachers to be teaching outside the textbook, to be teaching um you know, a history that focuses on um, folks who tend to be marginalized in the textbook and also grassroots grassroots efforts to, you know, make the world a better place, um, both those that have been successful and those that haven't. Um, and getting back to your, you know, first question, it's like, what is driving these uh, attacks? You know, I think there's something there. I think that when students learn a complete version of U.S. history, um, they get explanations about why the world is the way it is, and they also get models for how to transform it. And if you're a protector of the status quo, <laughs> that is something you want to keep out of the you know hands, hearts, and minds of um, young people. Ursula, I have a question. I um I surreptitiously snuck into a clubhouse room. Uh, that was uh, a civil discourse between both sides, uh, you know, people from both sides of this topic. Um, I found it interesting. Actually, there were a few, and some of them were, you know, all hell was breaking loose consistently. Uh, mm. But this was actually somewhat civil in that the anti-critical race theory, you know, proponents were civil and calm and nice and seemed like they were pleasant folk who had just very simple, you know, uh, concerns. Uh, to play sort of a devil's advocate to, the, to this, they would say that things like uh, this isn't about not teaching black history or American history in the context of black Americans and, and all these things. It's more about the indoctrination. It's more about, you know, these other angles that they seem to be um, concerned about. Uh, how wrong is that? And, and how dangerous <laughs> is it that they're saying it so nicely? Like as if, you know, of course, nobody wants to be indoctrinated, but that's not really right. what's happening here, right? Right. I mean, I think, you know, of course, I'm, I'm not interested in demonizing anyone except for the people who are uh, designing these bills with real intentionality and, and with, I think, very clear goals. But I do think that, for example, critical race theory is a term that's being thrown around and it is being thrown around precisely to confuse and fear monger. And make people believe that somehow the goal of educators uh, in classrooms across the United States is to indoctrinate children. Um, The term is, you know, unfamiliar enough that it can conveniently serve whatever purpose the right wants it to serve at a particular moment. Right. It's a catch all for pretty much 
um, anything. And so what I am asking and what I'm asking the press <laughs> and what my organizations are asking the press is to stop parroting right-wing talking points and ask teachers what they are actually teaching in their classrooms and why they're teaching what they're teaching in their classrooms. Uh, because no teacher is going to talk to you um, using the phrase critical race theory. They may apply the insights um, when they're talking about school desegregation or voter suppression, but mm -hmm. no one's going to use that terminology. They're going to be talking about, we want our students to understand um, democratic principles and the right to transform one's own um, society and nation and country. We're not going to be talking about, um, you know, critical race theory. Uh, I just have one more, and then the gentleman, uh, my, my colleagues can wrap it up. Uh, I work a lot with uh, folks who are in the hip-hop education space, right? The, mm -hmm. the the integration of hip-hop music and culture as culturally relevant pedagogy, you know, these ways of incorporating these ideas in a school. We've seen this works uh, to great effect uh, across many demographics and, and many uh, grade levels, increasing engagement, involvement, grades, right. happiness all the things um, I've always wanted because I, I work with a lot of them as a journalist and I kind of amplify their work. What do people have in their arsenal on a local level or on a national level to ask education systems, boards of education? I'm a parent, right? I want to have more progressive ideas in my local school district. Is it purely board of education local? Is it statewide? Is it national? What can the secretary of education do? What can we do to make sure that these ideas are being met, met with interest or concern on our parts? Yeah, that's a great question that I do not have a quick pithy answer to, but I will say that education is very much like our voting rules in the United States. It is a patchwork. And so right. in some states, you have a very, very strong board of education, um, like Florida just banned CRT at the, at the state level, right? right. Um, and then in many places, you have much more sort of local control. Um, and so I do think, right, advocating in your local school community is probably the number one thing I would say it's important to do. Um, I just want to add, though, that I think, you know, we have been asking folks to take a pledge to teach the truth at the Zen Education Project. And that's a pledge we are asking every person to take, not just educators, not just parents, but we all have a role in, um, you know, in education, in educating each other, in educating the young people in our lives, in educating our families and our communities. So. Yeah. And, and Ursula, just a last thing for me. Um, and it, this is sort of in response to what some of the people on the right, in the right wing are saying, like people like Ron DeSantis, you mentioned Florida, how that, you know, this kind of um, education teaches kids to hate each other or hate <laughs> themselves. Right. right? Um, and look, I don't know if this is just me. You have a, you have a history of teaching. Um, when, when I'm reading about um, maybe tragedies or struggles that certain groups went through, you sort of gain us a, uh, some empathy, right? You gain empathy right. when you learn and when you learn about this. Is that something that you see in the classroom when you're teaching your students the histories of disenfranchised or marginalized groups? Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that is the most, uh, to me, laughable claim about that the right is making. They're saying that, you know, that by teaching the truth, we are dividing people and that it's anti-American. And, you know, our answer to that is no. You know, what's divisive? <laughs> Racism is divisive. You know, what's divisive? 
the racist wealth gap is divisive, right? Uh, what's divisive? Voter suppression is divisive, denying millions of people their sort of fundamental right um, to vote. So uh, we absolutely think that what teaching the truth does is it, first of all, gives kids an accurate account of how we got here, and it inspires and empowers them to um, transform the society that they see around them, that they have inherited, and that no one can deny um, is inadequate to the needs of the moment, right? Um, and they deserve a history that's going to help them make a better world, not one that's going to lie to them. Yeah, that uh, that's great. So Ursula, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, before we let you go, can you just... Um, uh, tell people where they can find more information or resources, either through, you know, the Zen Education Project and Rethinking Schools. Sure. Yeah. So um, rethinkingschools.org is a place where you can go um, find our quarterly magazine and lots of books um, on how to uh, be a social justice teacher in all kinds of ways. And then the Zen Education Project is zenedproject.org. And we really encourage everybody to go there and take the pledge um, to teach the truth and also learn about efforts by teachers to organize against these uh, these bills. Great. Well, Ursa, thank you for coming on the show and thank you for the work uh, you're doing. I really appreciate it. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. Thanks. Absolutely. You thank care. you so much. That's funny. I, I, I when I say I talk to uh, uh, hip hop educators, uh, I, I interviewed a, a a woman who teaches at the University of North Alabama. Mm -hmm. Teaches it's Alabama, it's North Alabama. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's the red state you think it is. Uh, she teaches. It's Dr. Andrea Hunt, and she teaches the sociology of hip hop again, a hip hop class. And a majority mm -hmm. of her students are white. It's just the the demographic. Not all of them are into hip hop. They just happen to be whatever. And she has reported, and she has told me uh, in interviews that. Uh, by learning sort of the uh, perspectives of communities that they from that they're not a part of through music that they may have some understanding of, they've learned cultural understanding. They've earned like, like they're, they've, they've gotten a different aspect uh, uh, perspective as to the ways of life of other folks through hip hop yeah. through music. It's easy. It's storytelling in some ways. And I know hip hop can be sometimes embellishment and blah, 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 but there is a lot to be said for those who are, you know, uh, authentically narrate their lives. They don't come out more racist. They don't come out more divided from these classes. Like it's, it's, it, it is laughable to me. Uh, and I, I, I thank her for using the word. It just seems really weird uh, that this is uh, the argument. Yeah. And just, I mean, just a final note for me on this whole thing. And she, she nailed it. I mean, we're talking about teaching the truth. That's what and it is. Right, teaching right. the truth. When you, when you keep things out, but it's alternative facts. It's only, it only, well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, yeah. the benefits are, are infinite when yeah. you inform people about what's actually, what actually happened. What actually could happen? Yeah, where it's at now, the truth. At the end of the day, I, I don't think that it's it's not. They don't. They 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 want to. It's more obvious than it's ever been. Back in the days, you could kind of conceal this because there were limited avenues of information. It's just more more obvious than ever that that's what they. It's it's we want to control the narrative. We're in power. We're going to control the narrative. The narrative to best, you know. 
in our best interest. And that's it. And we're not, we're not going to be very, very sneaky about it <laughs> anymore. It's me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, just the last thing I'll say is just, it's uh, amazing to me when you have these, uh, these counter culture warriors, you know, yelling, screaming about all these things being stopped and they want to, you know, cancel the truth as Chris says, but you know, just, uh, you know, also this idea of, you know, they'll, their talking point when you're trying to do police reform is that look, we, you know, the police, they, they're the experts. They got to do their job. We can't tell them what to do. Right. But I guess educators, you know, they, they're, they're not the experts. Apparently we got to, we got to put them in line. Only, yeah. you're only an expert if you have a gun, Rashid. Yeah. Oh, now, right. if, you give, if you give teachers the guns, which I think <laughs> some of them would probably prefer to do, then happy. It'll work and, just fine. Yeah. And just the, just a final, final note uh, on that one uh, for me. But, uh, you know, by excluding stuff, of course it's going to happen again. Right. Of course it's going to continue. You know, what's that saying? Like you know, the, those who don't study, know history are, are, are bound to repeat. It just goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. There's people who don't believe that the Civil War was fought over slavery. I just think, think about how worse that, that, that'll get. Because uh, it was, it was, it was fought over people who like Pepsi and people who like Coca-Cola. Right. They just right, got a little right. out of hand. Rethinkingschools.org is uh, Ursula's organization and also the uh, Zinn Project. We shared the links in the uh, comment section. Shout out to Steve Discourse. What up? Uh, glad to see you here, sir. And uh, yeah, that's it. So um, great topic. Great talk. Obviously an ongoing thing. Critical race theory. The uh, legislate. I, I've posited that this is all just a distraction, right? Yeah. From the actual sneaky stuff they're sneaking into the law yeah. in Texas and other places where they're limiting what can, they're they're limiting, you know, flanagling what can be taught. Yeah, two things: distraction, definitely, but yeah. also because the right wing, the Republican Party, I'm going to just call them the right wing, because they are not offering anything substantive to help people. Even though we know election after election, people um, are looking for change, especially economically, to right. help them in this country without anything substantive. They only have to rely on victimhood and culture wars, and that's and obviously uh, eliminating or reducing the number of people who can vote. Um, so it's all part of that larger, I think, um, effort. Woe is me, says the right wing Republican. Uh, this, yeah, uh, I appreciate this whole conversation. It's been hard to find something solid to grab onto in this insane hurricane of a debate. I agree. That's why I wanted to make, well, we wanted to make sure that we delivered this in this way tonight. Thank you, Steve, for your commentary on this. It is hard. Uh, again, I snuck into a clubhouse room and it was one of the few that I could actually calmly hear what the other side was trying to get away with. <laughs> like it wasn't crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they were working there. They were spinning their spinning points. And I was like, oh, this is what they think. Okay. That is a little bit different from just saying, because I think some of the times we think they're saying we don't want to teach black history. No, we know that's what they mean, but that's not what they're saying. So there's a way to kind of like better learn their arguments uh, and, and display it out. I think we had a great time with our guests tonight. So that being said, if you missed it, we just catching the tail end of it. Uh, don't forget, we're a podcast by, you know, at, at our core. Um, 
Newsbeat, two words, one love. Wherever you find uh, podcasts, we will be taking the audio from this episode and throwing it on the news be- on the on the on the podcast feed. So you better run it back, wheel it up, bring it back, and rewind. Uh, that being said, we have two more quick topics we want to talk about tonight that uh, I think is super important to the overall gist of what we're saying. There's a lot going on in the world that you might not hear about on a day to day basis. So let's come back and talk about. Oh, first of all, we just we clap it up. For this right here, oh, that that that's our past. I know. Is it is it our past? Well, it's our past and our future. It happened while we were while we were doing the show, so I don't know. We threw it on yeah, for yeah. the. Past. We're right. gonna yeah, we're gonna we'll come back to that real quick, real quick. Yeah. Okay. So if you're listening, you have no idea what we're talking about. Nope, it's a secret. You got to stay. Um, <laughs> but all right. So then let's keep in the order. Sorry, I didn't know. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> really quick, um, because we're running short on time here. Uh, we no, were talking about the right word. Yeah, we are. I hate yeah, the, the, ad, the, the advertisers say you got to stick to an hour. Um, <clears throat> speaking of the right wing, uh, yeah. Joe Manchin, uh, Democrat, uh, West Virginia. Um, obviously, he's been. At, not, does he live in a mansion? That'd be interesting. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Sorry. That's, our God, that's uh, our God sound telling me to stop joking about serious things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. Go ahead. Joe Manchin at the forefront of bringing back bipartisan bipartisanship in America. Uh, not really, but uh, <laughs> the Poor People's Campaign, the organization that we've covered a few times on Newsbeat and also on This Week in Social Justice. We had Reverend Liz Theo Harris on previous yes. episode. They went to his neck of the woods. They uh, marched to his office in West Virginia, and they made it clear that West Virginia and a lot of the American people uh, disagree or um, are sort of dumbfounded with the way he's handling uh, politics. Joe Manchin, obviously, as a so-called moderate, um, is sort of is like this swing vote. Um, if you're not, you know, super clued into politics, and it's it's always you know Joe Manchin always falls on Joe Manchin um, for Democrats in the Senate who want to pass something. So we have a we have. A quote from Reverend Barber here. He's the co-chair okay. of the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, you want to play that? I do want to play it because this, uh, this is our guy right here. Check it. Why would a senator from West Virginia have his office in the lotto building? Maybe it's because he's gambling with people's health care. He's gambling with people's living wages. He's gambling with people's voting rights. Why would a senator from West Virginia stand against $15 in a union? Why would he stand against universal health care? Why would he join and encourage the West Virginia legislature in their passing of restrictive voting law? Because when you suppress the vote, Guess what? You hurt poor folk in the mountains. You hurt black folk in the city. You hurt everybody. This is not about Democrat versus Republican and left versus right and conservative versus liberal. This is about right versus wrong. This is a moral issue, a constitutional issue, and we're going to stand and fight against it. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely our our guy. (laughs) Woo-wee! Getting <laughs> heated. So yeah, yeah. He he laid it out right there, and I think it's um important to keep the pressure on uh, somebody like Joe Manchin because you know he's going to say bipartisanship. He's going to say I'm doing what's best for West Virginia. When we have polls that are out on the the these three or four main issues that we're we're talking about um, in sort of politics right now, fifteen yeah. hour fifteen dollar per hour minimum wage, right? That's supported by a majority of people in West Virginia. And this is a guy in in Joe Manchin who he comes from a state, West Virginia, is one of the poor one of the poorest in the country. And not only that, he when he was trying to defend his position, he said, you know, well, 
you know, I don't think there's that many states that have a, a minimum wage that's equal to the federal government when it turns out that 40% of the states in the country have a $7.25 minimum wage. So, or again, he's not even educating himself on the facts and he wants to talk bipartisanship. Uh, Joe Manchin's against the infrastructure bill, which again is supported by over two thirds of people in West Virginia. Right. His own, the last, not, to mention, uh, his own over, people. Over, not to mention over the course of the country, it uh, seems yeah. like a lot of people are into that as well, but certainly his own district. It's crazy. Yep. And the, and the voting rights bill that that's being touted as I think it's S one now in the Senate. Uh, that's also supported by over 70% of residents in West Virginia, including, including uh, plurality of Republicans. Hmm. So when they're talking about, you know, bipartisanship, he's talking about bipartisanship. He introduced his own voting rights bill that Mitch McConnell said he's is dead on yeah. arrival. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, I think you brought this up, man. I think you shared this story with us and I, I love it because uh, there needs to be, you know, um, some pressure put on these senators, especially for a guy who's not up for reelection until 2024. And again, that goes back to what we've been saying in the beginning and always and throughout the through line for all of our episodes and all of our this week in social justice is is, is you can do something now. There's work that can be done now. So the poor people's campaign, Reverend Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Reverend Barber, Reverend Dr. Barber, um, the poor people campaign is something that everybody who's interested in a lot of these issues can look into. I don't say, I'm not saying I'm not endorsing. I'm not saying go throw your money at them, go support, go volunteer, do your thing, but understand that they're on the ground right now. If you, uh, you pull your hair out because of what Joe mentioned, the new King maker, like, you know I mean? It's almost like he's just sitting there reveling in his position of being yeah. able to, to, you know, pull the strings and by doing so is hurting everybody. The intercept story. I we have it up. Did you? About the, oh yeah. Oh, did you put that up? Yeah. That, that literally just came out today. It's an amazing story. Incredible story. I want oh, everybody God. to read it. Oh my God. I'm skipping ahead. Hold on. Yeah. Pull it up. I'm going to pull it up. I had it. Oh, the leaked audio. So this is a, an intercept story. Intercept.com uh, published today. Leaked audio of Senator Joe Manchin call with billionaire donors provides rare glimpse of deal making on the filibuster and the January 6th commission. The subhead says Manchin urged big money donors with no labels, an organization, uh, to talk to Senator Roy Blunt about flipping his vote on the commission in order to save the filibuster. He's not he's just working the angles, man. Yeah, it's an amazing story because, like they say, it provides a glimpse. He's basically telling all these rich people, these rich donors that support him to say to put pressure or, you know, I'm not really saying it out loud because I can't because it's against the rules. Right. But, you know, the guy's going to be retiring soon. Right. Uh, maybe he could be a swing vote. Um, if we have the January 6th commission, there's less pressure on me from the left to to kill the filibuster. So, yeah, I encourage everybody to check out the story on the Intercept. I think it's also – their podcast deconstructed. I think they, yeah, they did uh, a focus they did, on this. I think they did an emergency episode. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it was published today too. So I think they did what we do. They just came online and were like, Hey, we got a story. You want to talk about it? <laughs> so, yeah. but shouts to the intercept, always doing amazing work. Um, that will get, so again, we give you the appetizer. We tell you that there's some activity against Joe Manchin and it's coming a funny business that he's doing. And then the intercept will say, okay, here's the, here's the, the, the deep dive. We got our hands on the tape. Uh, so shouts to them. And uh, really interesting. Again, like you said, f- fascinating story just came out. Uh, and so I think we, I think we're going to the past and the future or the past and the, what is let's, it? Uh, and let's do the, I guess the past makes sense because the past comes before the future. So uh, this week, 
but back then. All right. All right. The past. What's the past? So the past is the past and what's happening today. If that makes sense. It's weird. Yeah. (laughs) So we have uh, Juneteenth is obviously in a few days. And, and as we all know, that's when a union general made it down to Galveston, Texas to inform, um, emancipate uh to inform slaves that uh the civil war had ended sort of triggering uh emancipation so that is on june 19th and it just turns out on the day that we're doing this stream that the senate and i think congress to makes it official uh the house of representatives voted to make juneteenth a federal holiday what Um, (laughs) but can you teach juneteenth in schools (laughs) isn't that crazy wow that was fantastic. That was and horrific at the same I don't time. Have a, I don't have a hand clap. Uh, you know that standard stupid podcast. Like just hit, the, just hit the Zoom clap button. I don't have any of that, so I'll just do like this. I don't do. Uh, surely, surely you have some sound effect. That, I mean, uh, I, I have the air horn, which is pretty standard. Um, but I don't have. Uh, let me see if I have something. What about the bat noise? The bat noise. I think maybe uh, you can't call out <laughs> before it happens. I got this. I got this. <laughs> Rashida hates that one. Rashida hates that one. Um, but yay, yay to Juneteenth being a a a federal holiday. Uh, certainly, um, again, much like Tulsa, much like you know, a lot of things that have happened uh, when it comes to these issues. Something that's been very sort of underreported and buried in historical uh, narratives. Um, I will give a lot of credit to the television show Blackish for Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday. I will tie that to uh, the whole the roots, right? They did that whole animated schoolhouse rock yeah. kind of thing uh, that broke down what Juneteenth was, and I think inserted into the the national zeitgeist. Uh, I would I would I would give a lot of credit to that. So shouts to once again to hip hop. Uh, saving America. Anyway, Juneteenth, uh, a new uh, federal holiday. That is our past. What about our future? <laughs> the future looks like this. What do you honestly hope to see? I don't know. Maybe nothing. Is this why we came out here, Mulder? To look for UFOs? Yeah, this is going to look real good on my field report. You damn right. We, what the? Uh, again? Chris. I mean, this happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I had to do that. I had to do that. Throwback to everyone who watched the other. We started talking about this topic a couple of episodes ago. And immediately when we did, Chris's signal got lost. Everything went to hell. So we're on to something here. Why are we talking about UF freaking O's on a social justice podcast? Chris, this is your lane. Let's go. I mean, let's stick to the facts, okay? For the first time in history, really, the U.S. government, is publicly stating that UFOs exist. How are they doing that? By verifying leaked 
leaked uh, military footage shot, on, shot from warships, shot from uh, warplanes. Mm-hmm. And this is true. I mean, this like for this people who, who are interested in this type of stuff. I mean, this is unprecedented. Like, and it's, so it's like, what the hell is going on? Now, let me clarify just for the people that are like, wait a minute. I didn't watch 60 minutes that time, that one time. Uh, they're not admitting that UFOs exist in the sense that uh, objects, extraterrestrial uh, aircraft exist. They're just saying that there are some things that we see that we don't know what they are. The you in unidentified flying objects. Yeah, correct? exactly. I mean, yeah. that, and that's all it is. I'm not downplaying that. No, and again, we're sticking to the facts here. Um, you know, it's just it's significant because this it, it has never been like this, right? You know, um, and now you're having it's always been uh, like that. like serious discussions, right? Um, in the halls of power about this, and and people are asking the White House press secretary about this, and Obama was on you know a show, and he's he's saying that the first thing he did, one of the first things he did when he got into the White House was ask about the down ships and the and the life forms that they that they recovered and, and that, uh, you know, he, he going on the record, a president, a former president, right. uh, for the first time in history is, is acknowledging that there are things flying around mm. that they don't know what the hell they are. And, you know, you gotta be careful. I mean, one of the big things going on right now is these things, whatever they are, as you pointed out, Manny, right. Are, infiltrating uh, is the word that they're saying uh, protected and restricted U S airspace. So it's being framed as a military threat. That's what's going on here. Right. Um, you know, and so you just always have to, you know, question, you know, why, like why now, you know? Um, so a little bit of backstory here for the people that may not be aware, you know, this, this whole involvement of the government and and verifying some of the things happened back in 2018 new york times did a story and it turns out uh that uh former senate majority leader harry reid had financed or at at least uh, you know sort of pushed through got some funding for there were actually two programs two or three programs and taxpayer dime in the millions you know was was being spent on investigating this stuff when uh, the government, again, historically, over and over and over and over again, uh, you know, deny this stuff, you know, dismiss it. Um, you know, some say actively covered up by a lot of different ways. Um, and so what's going on now, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm guessing a lot of listeners have seen some of these things or heard some of these things. But I guess you did a big story on it just uh, last month. Yeah, so that was the big that was the big watershed moment. The fact that sixty yeah. minutes that even with the New York Times piece, not a lot of people really knew or or heard about some of this stuff. Um, but the sixty minutes thing and the 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 pilot. So the sixty minutes featured two pilots that um, were sent out uh, to investigate. We have tackled many strange stories on sixty minutes. Go ahead. I was yeah, a, a, a UFO, you know, um, uh, flying close to uh, one of their groups of warships. And, 
And what they claimed to have seen was a giant, a 40 foot long, you know, what they describe as a tic tac, flying tic tac, it's become known. And this thing moved in ways, you just, it, it's impossible by our understanding of physics and by our technology. It's nothing right. like this exists. Um, and this is just one of many. Now, right. uh, you know, the, the former head of that program that has been verified, you know, uh, this guy, Lou Elizondo, has gone public. And he's screaming and, and doing interviews with anyone that will ask to get the word out. Right. And he, he signed an NDA before he left. So he is sticking to that, that he can't speak, you know, too far down. Uh, right. But um, he's saying, you know, uh, pretty much without a doubt, you know, th these things exist, you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he's going on the record now saying that the U.S. government has been, has been investigating this for seven years. You know, since an incident that we probably won't get into tonight called Roswell. But right. um, so, look, look, it's just incredible that we're here on a podcast and we're talking about this at the same time that the government, again, I just can't underscore it enough. Right. This has never been the case. Right. That the government you know? is basically saying, yeah, we kind of don't know what the hell is going on. Any acknowledgement, any Tell acknowledgement, you know, so that, you know, obviously with, so for you, for UFO, for people who've been following this phenomenon, um, you know, there's a thing called disclosure, and and you know, disclosure, you know, in the strictest sense, is that the powers that be will go public and state not only UFOs exist, but they're extraterrestrial. There's an advanced, you know, you know, the, this is just the the closest that we've been, and you know, why why we're talking about a social justice? I mean, again, yeah. it's on. It's all over the place now, but um, it's also being posed as a threat, you know, and, and we, we cover the military industrial complex on this, on this show. And, you know, again, back to my original uh, take, which is, you know, why, why now, why, you know, is this going to be used for some justification of massive <laughs> increase in spending when, when, mm -hmm. when military budgets are under scrutiny for, you know, years already? I mean, you know, trillion worse. I'm sorry. We have the space force. We have to so, fund so, space force. You know, it's all tied to you know. Space an, I think that's a Netflix show. I don't know. The <laughs> so so and, and so uh, on that point, and I don't know for people who may not know or not, but but yeah, under Trump, we established a, the fifth branch of the U.S. military. It's called Space Force now, which is weird as hell. But now it's like, you know, oh, I see, I get it now. It goes on and on, man. I mean, you know, right. another again, thing that's not talked about. Look, and again, this is not conspiracy stuff. Um, right. Another big thing. That doesn't get a lot of, which is true. Trump signed an executive order during the first death wave of the virus. Yeah. Pulling us out of really the only international treaty that had ever been signed back in 1969, I think it was, that restricted, um, restricted governments from using celestial bo bodies to militarize them or or mine them and so he basically pulled us out of that and that's now look look what's going on with you know we're, we're on mars uh the artemis the artemis project is a big deal uh we're planning to send tons more missions to the moon china's yep. on the moon right now china's planning uh it, it sort of is the beginning i mean look i don't want to over exaggerate here but you can look at this on paper and say this is the beginning of another space race and right. 
what what do they want? I mean, they want to potentially militarize our satellite, the moon. They want to mine the moon. You know, right. again, I could talk for hours about this stuff, but no, no, I get it. Um, there's an isotope on the moon that they're, you know, China wants that, you know, as a potential source of energy and we're in a race to get that stuff. It's a, you know, helium three and all this other stuff. Um, and, and if we got to, we got to manufacture a war against alien spaceships to be able to get that isotope. Right. It wouldn't be out of the, I mean, realm. again, I'm just trying to, 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 <laughs> to stick to, no, no, I'm the speculator. I get it. I understand the, the, the facts here. Here's a great thing you pointed out. I, I want to say again, social justice oriented. Talk about the money in the COVID relief package. Yeah. So, so, so great. I'm glad you brought it up. So, so hidden, put, put in the, in the, in the first stimulus, the COVID stimulus bill was a clause that the U.S. Defense Department and the FBI, and I think there's other agencies involved here, have to collaborate and issue to the American public Everything they know about UFOs or UAPs is the unidentified right. aerial phenomena. And it has to be done this month. And the date that's being tossed around now is, is June 25th. Now, so the, the latest. Collaborate and like give information, like shit. Like, I mean, look, there's, you know, again, it comes back to what is disclosure, right? I mean, right. You know, look, it is a fact, fact that there are tens of thousands of publicly, uh, you know, accessible documents that have been released by the FBI, by, you know, our, our intelligence communities uh, through the Freedom of Information Act. Now, they're all heavy, a lot of them are heavily redacted and things like that. So, like, you want to talk about a paper trail for some of this stuff. Um, but regardless, regardless of what your belief is, regardless of what these things are, there is a report that has to be issued. Is it going to be a, a, a total whitewash? Is it going to have... Nothing. The, the latest on all of this is the New York Times did a story last week on a leak about the report. And basically all it's going to say is that we don't know what it is, but it's not one of ours. It's not one of ours. They're going to say so they're going to find no evidence of alien technology yeah. in these flying objects, but yeah. can't rule it out either. So, so, they're, so they're say, we don't know, but probably not. But yeah. maybe, but maybe and, not. But and, we don't and, know. And so what they then do is though, then they put the they put the onus on China and Russia. Oh, maybe it's China and Russia, which maybe it is. I have no, you know, I don't know. Like, um, they, they, so let, let me ask. So are they saying that it could be military? It could be advanced military technology from another country that we don't know about. Could be. Uh, but, but that also begs the question, like they probably would, would know about it. Like they'd probably so, be like, so Elizondo, Elizondo, but we can see that it does a thing that we don't think no one can do. Yeah, I mean, look, the bottom line, so, so the, the former head of that, again, that, that group that we know existed, that was looking into this stuff, this guy, Elizondo, just recently, just recently dismissed this whole, this whole thing about China and Russia. And, you know, his argument was that apparently at the end of World War II, when the U.S. and, and Russia were, were on good terms, you. were on good terms, they, we, we exchanged a ton of information for several years there, and, and they so apparently gave us information about their ufos uh foo fighters uh, who was it World War II. i'm sorry what country like, that was russia oh, um really? hmm. and um because they talked about it today at the summit that's so all biden was about. asked point blank and he just smiled and said go back and ask obama again that's what he and he ran out the room he he ran so quick that his earpiece was still stuck in the podium and he was like 
<laughs> and he went, he does not want to talk about this. Um, his press secretary does not want to talk about this. There are, look, again, 70 years. There, there are, there's no question that there's, there's huge, I would say probably huge components of the government that they don't want this out. They don't, they don't want, you know, for what? So the justification for, uh, uh, I don't even know where to begin with some of this stuff. There's a whole project back in the fifties, the project blue book. Right, 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 right. We've got to give a primer on the whole thing. Yeah. So, so, but, but, um, the latest video, I mean, and we could, I think I gave the link to Manny to play it. Are these black, these black orbs that the Pentagon says was shot by the USS Omaha. Mm -hmm. And these things were swarmed. They showed the radar footage. Something was swarmed. So if, if we believe the Pentagon, if we believe the government, then there was, there were some type of swarm of objects that were shadowing one of our, our, our warship groups in the Pacific. Um, And these, you know, if, again, if we believe them, then these are actually, you know, footage taken uh, from, from our, our fighter jets and stuff. And so the, the bottom line is it's something. And if the government's acting or saying, I guess you don't, you never know that they don't know what it is. It should be concerning regardless. Because what if it's a military threat? What if it's, you know, uh, some secret, you know, technology from another country? What if it's something from extraterrestrial, you know, origins? And they're spending money on it to investigate it. They're spending money. They're sneaking money into relief packages. They're, you know, not telling us everything because they never do. And then they got this report coming out that's going to kind of, it's already been kind of hinted to say that they're going to already kind of be kind of backpedaling on it. All that sounds fishy. Yeah, I mean, and there are big, big wigs out there going public uh, with some of this stuff. Um, former heads of intelligence committees and all these, like Christopher right. Mellon is one of them. And and they're going on the record, you know, and they're, I mean, it goes, it goes so deep. You guys, I don't know how far you, you guys want to talk about this stuff, but the, there's a whole thing about meta, meta metals and, uh, you know, Where? all different kinds of crazy stuff. The USOs, we can talk about USOs, you know, uh, you know, under, unidentified submerged objects, but, you know, again, this, this one on the USS Omaha was seen then going right. into the ocean. Right. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to stick to the facts. I'm, you know. No, I, I think this is great because I think a lot of people may hear this stuff in passing on the on the on the TV, uh, and not understand that it's not just wackadoodle kind of thoughts anymore, uh, and it's not something that the government can continue to kind of downplay. That's interesting, right? Because when they again, as I talked about this earlier on the show, it's easier back in the days when you had only had a certain amount of uh, sources of information, channels of information. You could kind of control them. You could try to control the narrative. You can leak what you want and hold back information that you want. But you do have leakers now. And some of this stuff was leaked, wasn't it? All, all of it was leaked. All these, all these videos were leaked. But that's then again, the, 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 the rare unprecedented step of then the Pentagon saying, oh no, yeah. that's that's ours. They could, you know, they could have said this is both, you know, this is so we have to get to the why, and we have to figure it out. I think that there, I know it's weird to be on a social justice podcast talking about all these things, uh, but there is 
connections because of what we believe has been a, you know, if we talk about the, you know, government infringement on privacy, on, you know, tapping your data, of, you know, doing all the things that the Trump administration did for reporters and finding ways to squash reporting and control narratives. Uh, we have to be very careful about these really potentially, you know, earth, can I, can I do this? Earth shattering news. Wow. Right. Thank you. Wow. Uh, being, uh, that I got the God lightning because I made a bad pun. Must've been the man. He faces God. It was crazy. Uh, the man he faced God anyway. So Chris, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Yeah. I think it's important. I'd love to talk about it more. Uh, here or on another show, maybe uh, wherever we want to talk about this, bring it to the people's uh, attention. Where can people go? Where are your resources? So I would go. I would go straight to the source. And there are two guys who are you sort are of right at now? the heart of this investigative journalist. <laughs> yeah. Um, this guy's name is George Knapp. Okay. Um, and he teamed up. Uh, he's sort of taken this guy Jeremy Corbell uh, under his wing, uh, but it's called Mystery Wire. Mysterywire.com is where he, this guy, so a little bit about George Knapp. This guy's been reporting on this stuff from, I think, the 70s or the 80s. He's an actual journalist. Like, he's not some nut, yeah, yeah. you know. Or, I wouldn't expect you to be the, that. He's not the and, guy in Stranger Things who has that, like, underground. Well, do you really want to get him going on Stranger Things right now? Because we are on Long Island. <laughs> and we are close to Montauk. So if you really want to go there, Rashad, we can, no, I'm sorry, but uh, um, yeah, I would go to mystery wire. Uh, they're the ones who actually get the videos. I think you should be careful. And then leak and then, you know, yeah. verify and, and, and send them out and leak them. And um, I'm on the site, mysterywire.com as a reputable source in your opinion, in your esteemed opinion 100%. for uh, the investigations into unidentified uh, perhaps extraterrestrial, otherwise unknown, flying objects, submerged objects, the whole the whole thing. Mysterywire.com is where you would send people. They're, they are at the center of it, the whole thing. They're, they're the ones leaking this stuff, all right. a, lot of, a lot of this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with all this stuff. I was reading about Project Blue Book when I was still wearing blue underoos. So I'm with you, man. Yeah, I, and I would just suggest who, whoever hasn't seen it, and I hate, and I hate, you know, obviously, you know, Watch the 60 Minutes thing because the, right. the two pilots, you'll hear directly from them. They're on video and they're explaining That's it. And uh, it doesn't come across that, that they're lying. Um, yeah. And again, they, you know, the footage has been released to back it up. Last, so. last question for the night because we're going late. But, you know, it's aliens. It's UFOs. It's, why not? Um, you, I know you've been following this stuff for a long time. You're, you know, kind of you go in on it uh, as, as I am to hip hop. Uh, you are to paranormal uh, and uh, UFO related stuff. Um, well, Rashad's right there too. So Rashad is all up in that in that UFO ass. That's all I know. Whoa! But, <laughs> Whoa. There's a, I'm just there's a reason. There's a reason I'm not saying anything. Um, Chris, in your opinion, as as a quite esteemed, award winning journalist, a man who lives uh, by the law of fact. By the rule of uh, nonfiction, <laughs> is there a rule of nonfiction? If there was, you'd live by it. What do you think? What do you think? Is it extraterrestrial or interterrestrial? 
Huh? Huh? Is it something that is not of human origin? I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. Okay. No, 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 no. Don't lean one way or the other. I mean, look, I will say that it is a mathematical impossibility that we, I mean, you know, that we are alone when you think of, I mean, this is not me saying this, that this is, you know, uh, you know, it, I mean, now mathematicians and astrophysics and, you know, astrophysicists and, sure. you know, the, the trillions upon trillions upon trillions, uh, infinitely more galaxies sure. and universes. I mean, we're finding, you know, we, we search, we've searched for extra life for a long, long time. Uh, you know, the SETI program and, and we're constantly finding, uh, these exoplanets that are, you know, within sort of what they call, uh, Habitable, the 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 habitable zone um, where water can exist on these planets. I mean, and and they're just you know just growing in number almost on a daily basis. Um, To think that we are the only you know conscious creatures is not you know I don't. From what I understand, it's it's mathematically impossible. Right. But are they visiting us with giant uh, carnival cruise ships in the sky that are you know? bringing uh, tourists uh, to plan. If I was an alien and I had all the technologies, I would make my spaceships look like clouds. Huh? Huh? Never know. Huh? Brilliant. Uh, All right. They're obviously people from the future. They're humans from the future. Come on. I mean, how long do we really want to go tonight on this? I'm I'm very sweaty. It's 84 degrees up here. I had no um, access to AC. Uh, Rashad uh, is in Costa Rica, apparently. The uh, time var- the time variant authority. We can return. We can return. Wondering why? Well, look, June, July, uh, June twenty fifth. There's going to be a report, so we'll, we'll have an update on that at the minimum. Yeah, we're going to do. A, I think we. Sh- I think we need to do a live reading. I think. Uh, I think people will be interested in that. Oh, that'd be cool. All right, listen. We're going to be back with this week in social justice. And again, if you're just tuning in now, you're like, this ain't social justice. It is actually. Trust us. Go back a little bit, uh, but watch the whole show. We have some great topics, including uh, critical race theory, including a great guest from Rethinking Schools, uh, including uh, Joe Manchin, uh, the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, what did we talk about in the news bites? The AP not naming suspects, uh, you know, in, in, in not putting their name in print anymore. That's fascinating. Uh, bones and indigenous people being slaughtered by uh, the Canadian government and the Catholic Church, uh, unbeknownst to all of us. We covered some things. Uh, we'll be back on June 30th, Wednesday, June 30th, for the next episode of This Week in Social Justice. But we might sneak in a surprise live and talk about some UFOs. Maybe a spinoff show. We'll see what happens. We got a lot of work to do. Uh, gentlemen, I think we're wrapped for the night. If you would disagree, let me know. Otherwise, any parting thoughts uh, for the peoples that have stuck with us for the night and who might be watching on the replay or listening on the podcast feed saying, oh, my God, I love these guys. Freaking UFOs. They're the best. I would just like to give one last shout out to the Newsbeat Nation. And I would just uh, continue to say, I think... Uh, Newsbeat Nation. Question authority always. Look at that. Put it on a shirt. <laughs> All right. Rashad, to you, sir, for the moment. Uh, any last thoughts? 
I think I'm going to leave it on that. I, I got chills just now. So, Well, my name is... Really? Are you going to play the Baraka thing? Are you trying to play the Baraka thing again? No. Many faces. <laughs> no, no. I wasn't going to play the Baraka. I don't know why they didn't come up that quickly. Many faces. You sick for this one. Sick for this one. Sick there you go. All right. Whatever. I try to be fancy. Don't make me play the He-Man. <laughs> uh, my name is Many Faces. On behalf of Rashad Mian, Managing Editor of Newsbeat and This Week in Social Justice, my man, my mellow Chris Taworski, the Editor-in-Chief of Newsbeat and This Week in Social Justice, our friends and family at Maury Creative Studios, uh, and uh, whoever else is tuned in and turned up with us, we appreciate you for sticking with us, uh, covering a great deal of topics tonight. But we love doing these shows. If you love what we do, please subscribe to us on the fa- on the podcast feed. It's Newsbeat, two words, one love, wherever you find podcasts, or go to usnewsbeat.com to find out more about us, to watch past episodes of This Week in Social Justice, to get the lowdown on all the Newsbeat episodes that really do talk about social justice, not just UFOs, uh, and follow us on social US Newsbeat on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, I guess that's about it, gentlemen. Uh, let's go. Let's uh, let's sign off before before they come for us. <laughs> Peace and love, y'all. We're out.